was six years old, I broke my leg. And I was running from my Hello and welcome to another bonus podcast. My name is Crystal Taves and I'm the pastor here at Northview Community Church. We are talking again on our Modern Family uh, Sermon Series. We're following along with a sermon. And this last week, Pastor Greg Harris spoke on the topic of singleness. So we are going to talk about that for the next few minutes. I have a few guests with me, so I'm going to get them to introduce themselves and say what their vantage point is on this topic. So why don't you start, Sarah? Sure. My name is Sarah. Um, I've been married for just about 16 years, uh, but I do find myself around single people a lot. My my dad passed away eight years ago, so my mom is single, and uh, I have an aunt that's single, my grandma's single, and one of my closest friends is single, And um, but I do have a lot of married friends as well, so a bit of a mix for me. Yeah, there we go. And I'm Kendra. I am representing the single folk here at the table. Um, been single my whole life, and I am probably in in my social community. I'm around a probably pretty even split fifty percent. Yeah, fifty percent of my friends are probably married, and fifty percent are single as well. Great. I'm Jody. I've been married for about three years, and a lot of my friends and family are still in the single, never been married phase. So yeah. We have some different, um, yeah, we'll have bring different vantage points, perspectives, mm-hmm. different people's stories into the mix as we go. Um, I've been married 20, it'll be 27 years this summer. Oh, wow. That is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> 26 at this point. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, now it's funny going through, we're kind of going through this whole stage with our kids is like having them decide, you know, how they're going to live their lives in the future yeah. and whether they're going to be dating and single and married and all these kind of things. You're planning so, a wedding even. Yeah, we're planning yeah. a wedding June 3rd. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing to talk about at different levels. And totally. yeah, my daughter's yeah. friends are all talking about this and what they want to do. And so it's good. <laughs> what we thought we would do is quickly have uh, Kendra's going to read the scripture that uh, Greg preached on. Then we're going to just go through the five points that he made with some of our thoughts um, that we had as we were listening to it and different things we want to add. Then just talk about some of the, the unique challenges facing single people in church that might not have been brought up in the sermon. Because, of course, in 30 minutes, you can't bring up every single mm-hmm. one. He's going to mm-hmm. focus on some. Uh, we want to talk then about how we address some of these challenges, specifically in the Northview Women ministry. Like we are aware and cognizant of these things and we're intentional about it. So we want to let you know mm-hmm. about that. And then just kind of some final words at the end. So that's how we want to run through the next half hour or so. So, Kendra, why don't you read First uh, Corinthians seven thirty-two to 38? Yeah, so this is the passage that uh, we had our sermon on this last week. So 1 Corinthians 7, starting in 32. It says, I want you to be free from anxiety. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it has to be, then let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control and has determined in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. 
There we go. So if the wording of that sounds a little unfamiliar to you, Greg preached out of the NIV, and this is the ESV, but the general ideas are still all the same. Just mm-hmm. maybe he would have picked up on some different words depending on this, the translation that he used. So the first point that he made is that married people have divided interests. So Sarah, you thought you could ju- chime in on that one. How yeah, does that, how have really, you experienced that? This really applied to me. So Kendra and I are both pastoral interns as we do our Masters of Divinity here at Northview. And it's uh, called the Immerse Program. So this has divided my interests. I'm married <laughs> and I have three kids and I've been mostly a stay-at-home mom for the last 11 years. And now I'm all of a sudden doing school and heavily involved here at Northview. Mm-hmm. And we had actually just just had a conversation about this, my husband and I on Saturday about kind of reflecting on the last few months and how uh, me being in the Immerse program has kind of uh, disrupted our lives a little bit and how I can't be uh, fully devoted to this program because I have a husband and I have three kids. And so I have to find balance in that. So yeah. I definitely feel my interests divided. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Kendra, you had to make a decision to be in this as well. What's the difference maybe between the decisions that you had to make and the decisions that Sarah had to make kind of to get into this program? Yeah, so I was working full-time um, at the Abbotsford Hospital. I'm a registered nurse, and so I had to make decisions about my career, and I had to make decisions about my finances, and I had to consult me. And so <laughs> in that sense, like I involved other people in that decision-making process. I didn't think I had, um, yeah, the, the best insight just on my own. And so I involved my parents and some close friends and some pastors. And so I relied on their insights. But really, when it came down to it, the the outcome of my decisions really just affected my day to day and affected my financial stability and mm-hmm. and all these things. And so in that sense, my interests, I could go where my interests wanted and I would be the one who reaped the consequences of that. Because mm-hmm. you were you were you had the ability to put your nursing career on hold. That's right. Yeah. And I, I can't really put my you can't put your mothering or, or your, your yeah. kids or wife in the Yeah, yeah. Not recommended. Stay, yeah. stay here. Exactly. Have some better jelly sandwiches. Stop growing. Yeah. I want you to be exactly the same yeah. when I'm done. Yeah. One work. thing that I was thinking of, though, during the sermon on the weekend around divided interests, I thought, well, I have a lot of interests, though, that are divided. And so as much as I am invested in my work at the church here and invested in, in doing schooling, um, which is hopefully going to increase my involvement in ministry in the future, there's other things in my life that that pull and tug. I have brothers that that don't live close, and so I like to visit them and my parents. And I have a neighbor who's aging, and she needs some some care. And so there's a lot of I have hobbies and interests, and so there's responsibilities that creep into my life that it upsets my schedule. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, well, that's not different, single and married. But the difference is um, just I guess the divided interest between your spouse. Like it's not, the other things are, are commonplace yeah. where you'll, you'll Everybody be divided. Everybody will have, single or married, you can have aging parents, single yeah. or married, Absolutely. you can have brothers away. Yeah. You'll yeah, have things, things that encroach on your time and demand you to, to be flexible that way. Yeah. But in terms of your commitment to your spouse, that is something that as single people we're, we're freed from. We don't have to have that be always um, a consideration on our time. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's never a consideration <laughs> on our time. Yeah. yeah. Okay, the second point that he made is that single people can have undivided devotion. So Kendra, why don't you jump into that? What did you, any other thoughts on that topic or that? Yeah, well, I was thinking we as single people, especially never married, younger, kind of 20s, 30s, there really is just this culture of where we don't, not really devoted to anything. We're devoted to um, just this Facebook idea of, of maybe culture. So we don't, it's hard, I think, to commit to things because there's this fear of missing out. There's this fear of, 
you want to be where it's fun and where you're going to benefit. And so if you commit yourself to devote to um, volunteering or serving, you know, you might miss out on something that, that could better your interests or give you a really good story from the weekend or something. So there's this lack of commitment, I think, in general in, in young single people. Um, but in terms of, of what um, Paul is writing about here in First Corinthians, that the purpose of your singleness and the undivided devotion is so that you can be devoted to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so I think we need a cultural shift in our church mm-hmm. about in what mindset about mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. but what we do with our time. And so my time is not my own. I think should be this idea that we have. And so, yeah, just this mindset of okay, what do we do with our time, and how can we use it to serve mm-hmm. to serve the Lord? Yeah. And we have a few single people in our church who are missionaries overseas and do amazing mm-hmm. work, mm-hmm. and they have that flexibility to come and go and really invest there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're saying the potential is there, the option is there for us to have undivided devotion. The problem is sometimes we don't, right? That's right. As when we're in that stage of yeah. life, we think, as, actually, I'm not tied down to anything, so I'm not going to let myself be tied down. I want to be able to go skiing whenever I want and go mm-hmm. camping yeah. whenever I want, and I just want to be free because I don't have to... Yeah. Whereas the scripture is telling you, you have an actual, a different ability to actually really press in mm-hmm. and be part of something that the God's doing. Yep. And not that the skiing or the those camping weekends are, are bad things. No. But are those your ultimate things yeah. that you're always living for those and you're always making that your priority instead of fitting those things in around your other around commitments. around your your greater priority yeah. in life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a challenge to us. That's right. To all of us and for single people specifically to say, to have that priority in their mind and, yeah. and use their, he said, like, use your singleness, right? As, That's right. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. A year or whether it's five years, don't waste it. Mm-hmm. Use it for God's glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. An obvious reason for marriage. That was his third point that he was talking about the fact that if your passions are strong and you're <laughs> with your person and you don't want to just mm-hmm. put that on hold, that's your obvious reason for marriage. That's part of the scripture passage. So mm-hmm. what do you want to chime in on that, Jody? Um, yeah, a lot of people in the church get married to avoid sexual immorality, which we're commanded to do in scripture. Um, one thing I will say, though, is that that is quite limited to the church and religious culture. Like yeah. a lot of um, people in secular culture will live together for five, ten years even, and then get married. And so I think we see overall in the church a younger rate mm-hmm. of getting married. And so that can add challenges to people who are single and young and who want to stay that way for a while. I think um, there can be pressure to get married young to um, because all your fit in with everyone, yeah. yeah, and yeah. or people will assume, oh, maybe they're really struggling with sexual morality and stuff. So I think um, that can be a struggle, but it's also um, as part of our Abbotsford Mission Fraser Valley mm. culture, it's more prevalent here that people are getting married young. Um, I attend school full time in Vancouver at Emily Carr University in BCIT, and so all of my classmates are in a very different mindset and stage with um, living together in marriage and. Um, are quite shocked actually at how mm. young I got married and yeah. what the culture like is here. So, how old were you, Jody, when you got married? I was twenty. Okay, which is young for the church too. But yeah. Um, but yeah, in the real world, quote unquote, <laughs> it's <laughs> very young. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so my son's in that stage of getting married, and everyone at UBC is thinking, like, what is your problem? Like, yeah. you don't even know whether you love this person, you haven't lived with them together. Why would you commit yourself to someone when you're mm. 21 years old? Like, yeah. that's just the mindset out there. Yeah. Yeah. But scripture's t- teaching us, yeah, if you know you're, the, if you're, 
you, and I liked how Greg even said, you don't maybe to have your whole future mapped out. You don't know how you're going to afford it. You're not going to know how you're going to pay for it. You just don't know. But you're at the stage you think for, for us to go forward in this relationship, marriage is the next thing. Yeah. Then yeah. go for it. I, <laughs> That's I like, what the scripture would say. I like too how he pointed out it is sex is a good reason to get married, but yeah. it's not the only good reason. Right. Right. It, there has to be other it, stuff. If yeah. that's your only reason, you maybe need to go yeah. to some, well, you definitely need to go to some pre-marital counseling. <laughs> the commitment and love way, definitely needs yeah. to be there. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully actually you like this person. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the last two we'll just lump together um, in the sense that the last two points that he brought up just as he again walks through this passage, basically just verse by verse and just kind of summarize each verse, which is what these headings mm-hmm. are. So if you're wondering where he got these headings, just read that scripture again and you'll see it. It's obvious. But the last two is that marriage is good and singleness is better. And what I really appreciated about kind of the way he talked about both of these is that we sometimes think that um, he used the image of Santa Claus giving people either gifts or coal. And he's and saying that either one of them is that lump of coal, that marriage is a lump of coal or that singleness is a lump of coal, depending on our perspective. Mm-hmm. And he said both of them are gifts, like both of them are gifts for different seasons, different places, different people, different times. But we shouldn't. We don't need to elevate. We don't need to get defensive about the stage that we're in and denigrate the other stage. Mm-hmm. Like both of them are good things and yeah. both are pictures of the gospel. Both are ways both. that God expresses himself yeah. in community. Both are sanctifying. Yeah. Right. Like we, we yeah. often talk about how living in close quarters with another sinful human being really challenges you and it sanctifies you. But yet living alone um, has its challenges too, and the loneliness that can happen, and how that can sanctify you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how it can press you into study or into community in different ways. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we don't want to elevate one above the other, and I really appreciated that. Uh, he ended by talking about a few implications. First, that singleness doesn't equal loneliness, and so in the church, we need to really be aware of how we deal with singleness, um, single people, how we allow people in who are single to be leaders in the church. Like, and he pointed the, out the fact that the Apostle Paul and Jesus himself were both single people. And yet we somehow think someone has to be married in order to be in church leadership mm-hmm. and to be in relationship. And he's you know, saying that's just a fallacy that we've allowed to creep in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that our community groups and everything on both sides, we should be willing as single people to enter community groups that aren't of all of our age and stage. And as married people, we should be willing to have people come into our groups who aren't of our same life and age and stage. We need to be open to that. And then the last um, point that he made is that singleness is something that we will have eternally. And so I wondered if people were wondering about that, like where that scripture is. So did you guys look up the scripture passages for that? Yeah, I did. I knew it was in there. I couldn't really remember where. And I think for people who are new to the church, they might have thought, what? Like, what I won't be about? married in heaven. Yeah. Um, but in Matthew 27, uh, verses 23 to 30, and also in Luke 20, verses 33 to 36, uh, a woman asks Jesus, who will I be married to in heaven? Because she had had several husbands. And he says, there'll be no giving of marriage or taking of marriage in heaven because there's no need for it in heaven. We're told in Genesis that Adam was lonely. That's why he was given a wife and a helper. And also that we were to be fruitful and multiply. And you won't need to do any of those things in heaven. We won't be lonely in heaven. We won't need a helper in heaven. And so marriage just, there's no need for it to exist in heaven. And Jesus laid that out pretty clearly. Mm -hmm. Is that Matthew 27 or 23? I can't even read my own writing on the screen. 
I'm not sure. <laughs> it might be Matthew 23. I yeah. think looking at that. Anyways, look okay. at Matthew, look at Luke. Yeah, or, or just, just read it Google, all. <laughs> will there be marriage in heaven? Yeah. And questions.org yeah. lays it out for you really well. Yeah. 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 These are the, yeah. So the Pharisees and Sadducees are trying yeah. to trap Jesus into saying yeah. stuff, right? And mm-hmm. he's saying, no, actually, there's no, there's no um, marriage or giving of marriage in heaven. And I think that's, as a single person, that is a really validating thing. Yeah. To know that you are not missing out. You're not on plan B on, or C or not, D. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah there, this is actually going to be the state of everyone. This is where we're all headed towards. Yeah. And so I think that idea that both marriage and singleness emphasize different pictures of the gospel has been very helpful for me. Like we've just had our sermon on marriage and how the relationship between a a wife and her husband and husband and his wife reflect the relationship between Christ and the church, which is a beautiful picture of the gospel. And yet as a single person to realize that as the whole church, we are the bride and we are waiting for a groom and there will be a day where there'll be that wedding feast. And to know that you're also a part of of that story, you're part of that picture of we are waiting for Christ to come back. Yeah. Like that's, that's, I'm living out that story in my life. And so am I going to wait and live faithfully in the midst of that? That's been very encouraging to me to reflect on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you have any questions on that, I know last time we did on marriage, uh, Greg explained that whole marriage is a picture of the gospel on our podcast. And he did, did again in the sermon yesterday. Um, so yeah, listen to the sermon if you're confused on how that works. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to quickly talk then for a few minutes, unique challenges facing single people in church that might not have been brought up in the sermon, because obviously, like we said, we only have 30 minutes in the sermon. What are other unique challenges that yeah, single people face? I guess this is in the church or society in general. Like what would be those things? Mm-hmm. And I think this is going to be, I mean, this is a huge conversation. And if you're single and you're listening, we're maybe going to talk about things that aren't your issue. But or we might like, miss the ones that are we, yours. We might miss yeah. the ones that are your issues. And that's because everyone's experience of, of singleness is different. Just like everyone who's married, if we were doing a marriage podcast and everyone was married, all of their experiences of marriage would be different as well, their struggles and their joys. And so um, this is a, a huge topic um, that's quite personal for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's, I think, some common some common issues, some common threads that run through. And one of those, I think, is just the fact that you're alone. You're just alone. And so with aloneness... Um, that's probably a, a neutral point, but it, it's like an octopus and it reaches into all these different mm. categories. So being alone can, can create situations of loneliness. It can create situations of, I just, that loneliness, I just don't feel motivated to do anything. What does it matter if I go and, and do this or do that? It doesn't affect anyone else. And so that can lead to apathy. Um, yeah. So there's like all of those things can be very challenging that you have to feel like you weighed those waters alone a fair bit. That natural accountability to go somewhere or do something. Mm-hmm. You don't have anyone dragging you along mm-hmm. saying, actually, you know, it's time to go to church, Kendra. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Get off your butt. <laughs> Let's get in the car and right. go somewhere. There's no, you have to motivate yourself every week to do that. Right. Absolutely. And to walk into the room and figure out who you're going to sit with. And yep. there's those little pieces. Yeah. So as we're talking about, you can have undivided devotion to the Lord. Right. But you actually have to like get yourself out there. You have to decide, okay, where am I going to serve in the church? What am mm-hmm. I going to do with my time? And it's not always that you have a group of people you're going to do it with. And so that's that's unique, I think. And sometimes mm-hmm. you have to be a little more intentional in finding a support system or an accountability system. It's not just kind of built in with you mm-hmm. like it is for some married people. Yeah. yeah. I think about uh, my brother. He's single. He, he's not a Christian. And um, in his life particularly, I see... I, he, he he won't be listening to this, um, <laughs> but he's actually quite selfish. 
but in a totally acceptable way in the culture, right? Like he's taking flying lessons. He does woodworking. He fixes his motorcycle. He has a career. Mm-hmm. Everything is about him. And he might make the effort to come from Vancouver out to Langley for a family gathering. Like maybe. But maybe you're not quite sure. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And yet I have uh, a really close friend. She's been single her whole life. Uh, she's a school teacher and she is involved in Bible study and taking care of her nieces and nephews. And I don't see the same sort of selfishness. She lives to serve other people and to serve God. Mm. So I know there's a big difference because one is God focused and and one isn't, but I think it's a challenge for, for single people, um, with their time. Mm -hmm. Right. I easily get just absorbed into your own interests and not necessarily think about other people. My mom has had to make an effort in this too. She, um, has been single now for about eight years and it's easy to just go out for dinner with friends all the time. And a couple of years ago, she took a course to, um, work and volunteer in the hospice. So she does that now and it took intentionality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big intentionality. Yeah. Yeah. And selfishness and self-absorbedness, those aren't unique problems just to singles, but we have a, a unique way of, we don't have a lot of interruptions necessarily. If you live alone, you don't have anyone who's going to burst through the door and be like, oh my goodness, I need you to help me. My, I locked Homework. my keys out yeah. or like whatever. Like yeah. you're, you just don't have those interruptions to get you out of your own Except Thoughts you, you did this own. week in your new apartment. The dear old lady who I, fell down. I did yeah. this week. I've, yeah, I have this really lovely neighbor. I've just, um, I'm living in a new place for a few months now. And so I've been meeting my neighbors and one of my elderly neighbors had a fall. And so I was able to get pulled out of my life and my routine and was able to help her out when she needed. So, right, which is a challenge for her. She's an older lady that was single. That's and right. She and her family to, was traveling and yeah. you were the only one around. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. there is a reliability and, and yep. community that's definitely needed among single mm-hmm. people. Yeah. And age, she was right? so, it was just actually really beautiful. We both, she's 90 years old and single and I'm 30 okay. years old and single. And she kept saying after she got discharged from the hospital, like you are a gift from God to me. Like you helped Aww. me when I needed you. And I was thinking in my head, but you're a gift from God for me because I actually needed to help you. Like I needed to get out of myself that week. And so that was just really neat how God put both of us together to to fill that need for one another. Yeah, cool. Do you find that there's a lot of pressure, like you're saying, like with your friends your age, Jody? Like is that a challenge that single people face? Yeah, I think in young adult culture, like I don't want to limit it to Northview young adults, but just in this life stage in the church, Mm. I think there can be a lot of pressure to get married. Um, And I don't want this to sound not genuine because I am married, but a lot of my friends are serving in the church and getting their education and figuring themselves out and just thriving in that. Mm -hmm. And then they can get discouraged when people are like, oh, well, you know, like, when are you going to find a husband? Like, have you started dating yet? And like, all these questions can be really discouraging when you're really just where God wants you to be. And so I think um, I would encourage people not to pressure other people to get married (laughs) if that's not what they want to do yet, no matter what life stage you're at. Mm -hmm. Um, But just to, yeah, keep, keep doing what you're doing if that's where the Lord calls you. Yeah. I think another challenge is people wanting to get married and just not, not meeting people, not finding Mm -hmm. that person. And so you have your whole life just waiting and wanting and searching and hoping. And Mm -hmm. there's no reason why you're not married. It's not. Yeah. And so that can be really challenging for people who think a lot of self-identity issues can can Mm -hmm. get worked Mm -hmm. up in that. 
And these things can apply to divorced and widowed people as well. A lot of these yeah, things come back up yeah, afterwards. Apply to even couples where one wants to get married and the other doesn't. Mm-hmm. Right? You're dating for a long time and what's wrong with me? Why don't you want to marry me? And they really want to get married and the other person mm-hmm. doesn't. Right? Yeah. Big life decisions. How do you find processing those as a single person, Kendra? Yeah, that... I mean, we talked about my decision to go to immerse, and so it's something I wanted to do. But there's all that you don't know how this is going to how this is going to fall in the end, and so all the consequences land squarely back on my shoulders. Yeah. Um, even moving recently, I was like, well, where do I live? And so I consulted some wise people, but in the end, it's my money, and in the end, it's it's my living arrangements, and so um, that can often at times it can feel quite overwhelming. I'm very glad that I have some wise people that I can that I can ask their opinions of. But I mean, even my dad, he says, but in the end, it's your decision. And I'm like, I know, but can you make this one decision for me? (laughs) Like it can get exhausting making every decision all the time. Yeah. It can. Yeah. 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 I think sometimes um, you see what you want in a situation. So you walk into Mm -hmm. church and you see all the people that are married or you want kids. And so you see all the little babies. And because it's kind of your preoccupying focus, you don't necessarily see the other single person or you don't see the other married Mm -hmm. couple that doesn't have kids or you don't see because you just have that in your mind that that's what you want so much. Um, So I think that's a challenge for single people, right? For married people, too. I think if you're going through a hard time in your marriage, all you'll see are the laughing, smiling, Mm -hmm. holding hand couples. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And. Or, you or assume, you'll see the happy families. Yeah. yeah. Or you assume that those couples that are holding hands are totally happy. Or right. the mom that does have kids is totally fulfilled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, they're having all these struggles and thoughts too. And it's very likely there's young moms listening to this with little ones running around. And you might be thinking, I was single and totally free five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I, My I friend is in Europe, like going to castles and yeah. diapers. I really because, envy that. Yeah. These worlds are exposed to us with social media yeah. too, yeah. right? So you yeah. don't just remember what you used to do. You see what your friends are yeah. doing, right? Yeah. It's easy to compare no matter what side yeah. of singleness or marriage or parenting. Yeah, and different yeah. different stages of singleness. Like I'm in my early 30s and I'm like, okay, well, that adventure carefree single life of my 20s, I feel like that's, not my life anymore mm. and so there's a little Kinda bit more to settle down <laughs> it's a little bit more of that settle but yeah. just the regular a little bit more mundane and so that's that's okay I think that's a, a normal healthy stage of life but it's not as adventurous and as exciting as as my early year years of being single was and so when you yeah. traipse mm. off to Switzerland and totally all those things yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I lived abroad and yeah. yeah yeah and then single parents have unique challenges just mm-hmm. in terms of having to do this all by themselves and that exhaustion of, you know, just being able, having to be the mom that answers the teenage boy's questions and really wishes a dad would be there to answer those questions (laughs) or those kind of pieces, right? Where it's just like, man, I don't, I haven't walked these shoes. I'm tired. I don't, I want somebody else to help give me input on parenting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, The point that Greg made about if you're single, you can have undivided devotion. I think that's really challenging for single parents because they might not be devoted to a husband or a wife, but they're devoted to their kids. So serving in the church and getting involved in the church without Mm childcare or without a spouse to help with. Or even working. Like when you are working as a single mom and your kids are sick like that, like how do you deal? It's just, you're so divided. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's a challenge, I think. Yeah, it's really hard. And I think that's where we as the church can do better at stepping in to be that accountability and motivation and support system. And that, yeah, that support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'd hope we can figure out ways in that. 
Mm-hmm. That's the next thing we want to talk about a little bit. How do we address some of these challenges at Northview Women? Um, we want to be kind of tell people that at, at Northview in our women's ministry and men's ministry, that's kind of one of the main emphasis or one of our main kind of things that we have in mind is that we want to have a place where people can feel comfortable regardless of their marriage status, mm-hmm. regardless of whether the kids are not. As a woman coming into women's Bible study on a Wednesday morning mm-hmm. or Monday night, it's not weird that you don't have a husband with you. So right. like right. no one's going to expect you to come as a couple. And so mm-hmm. it's a natural place for people who are single or divorced or whatever to be there. And so we want people to know that that is definitely one of our intentions. When we train our table leaders, our discussion leaders, even the precept table leader, precept mm-hmm. group leaders, uh, emphasis is there. We want to study the Bible together. We want to grow in faith as individuals. We don't want all our discussions to be about husbands and kids and especially the first couple of weeks before we know the dynamics of the people in our mm-hmm. groups. We don't want our questions to be, so what did you do with your husband this week or whatever mm-hmm. that makes people feel yeah. left out or not part of things. And yeah. so it's definitely, we're very intentional about wanting that to be a safe place. And if you've come and it hasn't felt like a safe place, like let us know, like how can we even do that better? Yeah, because I, that I find be as a teacher periodically, when I'm using examples, it's so easy to go to my- Yeah, your own experience. Wife experiences yeah. or my mother experiences. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's it's good for me to be reminded, okay, no, let's talk about friends sometimes too. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about being a daughter as yeah. well yeah so that everybody can relate yeah yeah, yeah. 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 and, and i mean like, it's natural to go to the things that you're most familiar like the yeah. experiences that form most of your life is it's not a, a crime to do that but there is this intentional awareness that that's my experience is not everyone else's experience mm-hmm. we want to be and as the things that are as possible. right the things that are beautiful for me might actually be painful for other people yeah yeah And so creating that, you know, we also have parts of our lives that aren't related to our marriage or aren't related just to our singleness or just to our jobs. There's, we're we're multi-dynamic people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like what Greg said. Like if you join a community group, it might be weird and you might realize after a while that you have nothing in common with these people except Jesus, but that's, that's really the experience of all of us, right? Yeah. 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 And it's funny, like at that every age, like just uh, my daughter has been in a community group going through high school and like her community group was the most bizarre group of people. But she loved it. Like she'd come home giggling after because like they're just such a unique group of people that would Mm -hmm. never be together other than if they were in a church youth group community group. Yes. And that's the I think that's the idea we need to have throughout our lives in the church. Like let's enjoy the fact that we're with quirky people that are different Mm -hmm. than us and we can learn from them. And most of our women's tables are quite intergenerational. Like you haven't attended a Bible study before and you're curious about that um, kind of atmosphere like there will be people at your table who are young adults and who are retired and who are moms and we mm-hmm. in the curriculum we write we try to keep it very like focused on you as the growing believer and not like oh how can you apply this to your kids or how yeah. can you apply this to your husband it's how can you apply it to your life yeah whatever mm-hmm. situation yeah. You're yeah. In. so there might be yeah. kids stories or husband stories that come up at the table but the general gist of it is yeah, we're all growing disciples mm-hmm. of Christ. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We offer childcare on Wednesday mornings, so that gives people who are single moms and at home an option to come and have time with kids. It's hard to do on a Monday night because unless we started at five, <laughs> where then, you can get your yeah. kids home for seven, and the working get, women can't get to it if we start that early. No. So it's a challenge. We haven't ignored you if no. you're wanting to come to Bible study on Monday nights and and you can't because we don't have childcare. It's just a challenge because it goes too late for most children. Yeah, most children are mm-hmm. in bed way before nine thirty, yeah. which was when you'd get home if you came. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. so if you have ideas on that, <laughs> again, yeah, we're open to know. it. Yeah. Uh, we just wanted to end off just a general kind of exhortation to people, like whether they're single or married, 
And you guys feel free to jump in. I have a few thoughts, but jump in. I think our general idea, I think maybe women fall into this maybe more, but sometimes maybe guys do too, that the grass is always greener on the other side. Mm And I know, like I've talked, like I said, the the young mom at home with babies is wishing she was walking through the castles in England. And Mm -hmm. the young couple whose marriage is really struggling is wishing they were single again or Mm -hmm. vice versa. The married person is wishing or the single person is wishing that they're married. We all Mm -hmm. see, like we said, those things that we want. So how do you deal with that or how have you interacted with that? Yeah, I think as soon as you start focusing so much on yourself and your own feelings, you can really get stuck and go, I'm not getting what I want. Mm-hmm. And and one way I found to combat this, and it's it's biblical, is through gratitude and just thanking God for the good mm-hmm. things that you do have in your life. Mm-hmm. Take the focus off yourself. Look at look upward toward your heavenly father and what yeah. he's given you and trust in the fact that you're single for a reason. You're mm-hmm. married for a reason. You're a mother for a reason. The situation that you're in is not a mistake. Mm-hmm. And if you're grumbling about it, it's only going to lead to bitterness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's easy to hear those words. It's hard to practice them. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes, especially when the waves of loneliness kind of like crash on your shore and you just cannot escape it and you get you know, ripped out to the sea with that and you you can't feel different. Mm-hmm. You, this is just legitimately how you feel. And those are hard, dark, lonely days, weeks. I don't know how long it lasts for some people, but those, those emotions, they come and they flood. And so I think in those moments, um, it's easy to say, look to Jesus, but really that's the only place where you're going to find your sure footing. Mm-hmm. I have spent, um, in the past, I have, I've struggled with some severe loneliness and I just read through the Psalms and I say, Lord, I feel alone. Like the Psalmist, he writes a lot. I feel alone. Mm-hmm. And the only place that you are not alone is when you realize that you have a friend who sticks closer than a brother, sticks mm-hmm. closer than a husband, mm-hmm. sticks closer than, yeah. So I really feel like crying physically or emotionally like to the Lord and saying, I am lonely, but I know I can trust you. I don't see how this is good or better. Right. It's okay to acknowledge that to him. Yeah. And then over time, because sometimes when you are in those really lonely, isolated feelings, you know, you shouldn't feel that way. But when you do go around, you do have that tunnel vision and you're like, I should see other things, but I can't. Mm. And so feeling guilty for not seeing it. Okay. Just so you can't see it. So just repent that you're feeling ungrateful. Repent that you're feeling bitter towards all your happily married friends or your seemingly happily married friends. Mm -hmm. And trust that the Lord is working in your life through this. Mm -hmm. Um, Those seasons don't last forever, but sometimes for some people they last longer. Because getting married on earth isn't necessarily a fix for a lot of those things too. Yeah. Totally. Only found in Christ. (laughs) Yeah. And I've talked to a lot of married lonely people because their spouse just does not understand them or is not interested in pursuing the relationship once they got married or whatever. And so they're stuck now in a marriage where they're very lonely. Mm -hmm. And so we can't assume that just because someone's married that those problems are gone. Yeah. If you didn't listen to the message last week on friendship, I really felt like the importance in that. Yeah. Like friendships are so important. They can actually add to your marriage if you're married and they can add to your life if you're single Mm -hmm. in really good, healthy ways. Yeah. Because your yeah. spouse can't be your one and only. No. 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 Yeah. That's way too much pressure on one yeah, person. Totally. Yeah. 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 So I think this idea that singleness is better when it when it doesn't feel better, mm-hmm. I think just refocusing on Christ, refocus on the gospel. And when you're at a place, you're able to to repent of that bitterness and that self-pity. I think the Lord, he works. He works in us and we realize that, okay, so single is better. Doesn't always feel better, but 
that's okay. The Lord gives good gifts yeah. and it's still good. Even if it doesn't feel good, we can still acknowledge that he's wise and the seasons, the circumstances we're in in our lives are not accidentally happened to us or we didn't silly make silly decisions that ended up us here without his loving hand allowing us to end up where we are. Yeah. And if we can force ourselves into good practices, like you said, sometimes you're caught in this. I think Mm -hmm. if you can force yourself into some kind of community in the midst of that loneliness, Mm -hmm. it's the best thing because I always find I can walk into church feeling or a group feeling self-pity about something. And then I hear someone else's story. I'm like, oh man, okay, (laughs) repent. I have nothing to feel sorry for myself about because this person's going through this, right? And Mm -hmm. we can just get so easily tunnel visioned. And so the more we force ourselves into recognizing other stories, hearing other people's stories, Mm -hmm. realizing that there's not one stage of life that's perfect. Yeah. I think the better. I think this applies for, I mean, we're talking the topic of singleness, but even for our married friends, like we all get into these emotional ruts in life Mm -hmm. and we all wish for other circumstances. And so this isn't just for single people who are struggling. This is for all of us who love Christ, who struggle with following him faithfully. Yeah. Yeah. I love coming to Bible study and hearing some 80 year old woman talk kind of not complain about her husband, but just talk about some of the struggles they're having in their marriage. I'm like, oh, good. I don't have to have it all sorted yet. Yeah. <laughs> it's just encouraging, right? To hear other people's journeys. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. Wow. One scripture I just think is a good one to keep in mind. Um, in John 21, there's a passage where Jesus is talking to Peter and asking him to feed his sheep. And uh, after that, he tell, basically tells Peter that he's going to be crucified or dry, die a horrible death. And Peter says, to, and looks around and sees other disciples and says to Jesus, well, what about him? And Jesus said, mm-hmm. what is that to you? You follow me. And yeah. there's that picture that, you know, all of our lives are in God's hands. And uh, some of us are going to have different experiences. John got to live, the apostle John that he was talking about here, got to live a long life and die peacefully from what we know. Peter died a horrible death and yeah. God had different plans for different mm-hmm. purposes. And God's word to Peter was, it doesn't matter what I'm doing with that person. Mm-hmm. You just follow me because I'm calling you to something. And mm-hmm. so I think that's something we need to think in our minds, right? Have those blinders on that. Okay. I'm just going to follow God. I'm not going to, I'm going to embrace people in their journeys and mm-hmm. allow them to have their journeys with God. I'm going to have mine mm-hmm. and walk forward in that. So read that passage if you want, or other passages that we talked about. Uh, Sarah, would you mind praying sure. as we go? Okay. Yeah. Lord, thank you for just this time that we've had over the last couple of days uh, with Sunday morning and even right now to just focus on what your scripture says and how we can apply it. And Lord, I, I thank you for the single people and I thank you for the married people. And I pray that they look to you through the joys of being single and being married and thank you and look to you through the struggles of being single and being married and um, look to you for help and cry out to you if they need it. So we ask your uh, blessing on everything that we spoke about today, and we pray that it brings you glory. Amen. 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 Thanks for joining us.